And now, the starting lineup for Inside Slam. At guard, number 11, from the University of Iowa, standing 4 feet 26 inches, it's the man with the smoothest voice in the commentary box, Mr. Magic, Steve Confino. And at small forward, number 6, standing, well, sometimes because he prefers to sit, Mr. Stats himself, Evan Goldback. This is Inside Slam. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inside Slam. It's our second episode, which is uh, in itself a, a massive event. But uh, I'm here again with Steve Carfino. This is a global Story Network production, and we are taping this on the 9th of October, 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. So much in this episode, the NBA preseason. We're going to go through a, a couple of way too early predictions uh, after the Lakers and the Pelicans played yesterday. We're going to go in-depth with Corey Homicide-Williams, which is we're really excited about later in the episode. A uh, couple of fun segments, Who Am I? I'm going to throw that at Steve. And we're going to also look at the best of the rest. And when, what I'm referring to is the best of the rest, the players that missed out on that Bleacher Report Top 50. Some incredible names there. Where Steve's going to come up with his top five team. I'm going to come up with my best team. We're going to debate who's the best, um, who's, who would win over a seven-game series. I'm pretty confident I'm going to take it down, but uh, I'm, I'm sure Steve will be uh, going into the, uh, the record books to bring out some big names. Well, I'm going to bring up some big names, but I think the explanation to why you picked that guy is more important than the guy just being picked. So you got to really back up what your guy is on the top five guys. Or no, I should say the starting five, starting five of the guys that missed out in the top 50. That's right. And we're also going to do the community commentary again, uh, which is a lot of fun. So we'll be uh, critiquing the uh, amateur commentary. Well, Steve will be doing the critiquing, and I'll, I might just be smiling the whole time. So let's get into it. Lakers. Everyone's talking about the Lakers. It's been one game. Actually, you know, before we start that, because you don't know this, I know you've been uh, busy, um, you know, with your uh, with your school and your team, you know, playing some preseason games. Have you seen the big news today? No, I haven't. I have sixty teams, by the way, so don't okay. make it sound like I'm just you know got okay. one team and it just takes up my whole day. <laughs> sixty teams. All right, he's got okay. sixty teams. Thank you. The big news: Ben Simmons hit a three today. I did see that. Oh, you saw man. it? Ah, man. <laughs> I was sitting next to one of the fathers, and he said, <laughs> Philadelphia's going absolutely berserk. Because as he started to launch it, they showed it in slow motion on social media. And as he started to launch it, it was in slow motion. And the crowd just starting to get to their feet, and it goes in. And it was like they won the world title. Yeah, it's, uh, they're comparing it to Jordan's last shot. That's what, it, that's what Philadelphia is comparing it to right now. I know, I'm not sure if they're there yet, but hey, it's, if he can hit, start hitting the three, start hitting that outside shot, that whole team changes drastically. Wait a second. Jordan shot like when he hit it to Again. win against the Jazz? Yeah, that's what Philadelphia fans are already comparing. You know what Philadelphia yeah. fans are like. I know you haven't been there, but... I, I know, and I, I never will. But <laughs> um, Jordan's shot against the Jazz was on the road. I think the best thing about that picture, that picture that was taken from behind Michael Jordan, and you could see the reaction of the crowd, there were people with 
hands over their eyes, like, oh my God, he's about to beat us again. You know, so I, I think the reaction was a little bit different. That reaction is my teammates when I pull up a jump shot. <laughs> They're like, Evan, no, not again. <laughs> Sydney Social Basketball shout out right there. Um, but the Lakers, I mean, the, obviously they beat the Warriors in a preseason. Everyone's getting really excited. They, you know, they look like the monsters from you know, Space Jam, looking like a really big team. Uh, you know, you've got LeBron on the floor. You've got AD. You've got Dwight Howard, Jam- uh, um, JaVale McGee. They seem like a really big team. And obviously got some shooters there as well. But, I mean, it's only been the one game. But uh, are we getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves? Or is there um, there's some credence to uh, what people are saying? I think that everyone's excited about the defense that they're going to play. I mean, you got um, you got Bradley, who's you know he's a world class defender. If he can stay healthy, you know he believes he's the best defensive guard in the NBA. So, you know, if this guy's healthy, that's who's covering the point. And you need somebody who can cover the point in the NBA. As simple as that, because they've got some incredible point guards around the league: Danny Green, LeBron James, AD. JaVale McGee, I mean, and then you're bringing guys, you know, like Dwight Howard off the bench, you know. So I think everyone's just so excited about this team defense, you know, how long they are and how capable they are on the defensive end of the floor. About the only one you could really criticize right there is LeBron James, probably because he took his foot off the gas uh, for the first time in his career. Last year he was injured. Um, He played less minutes. Um, But in saying that – He'll be inspired by the team deep. He won't be the, the weak link on the defensive end of the floor. No way. He's LeBron James. He's surrounded by all these great defenders. Um, he's healthy, and he's more rested than he's ever been in his career. I mean, ever since he's, I don't know, how many years has he gone to the NBA Finals? 433 years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> he has gone to the NBA Finals that many years in a row. He's represented Team USA. This guy has his legs needed a break. I mean, even though I've said it a number of times that it's like his body was created in a lab. You know, he looks after his body, he eats the right food, he gets his rest. Um, he uses all the science he possibly can to, you know, to extend his career. He wants to play with his son in the NBA. So that's his motivation. But that team defensively, the defensive depth they have, I've never seen anything like that. They, well, it's it's complete opposite of what it was last year because, and I kind of want to delve a little bit into this because last year it was all about oh we've got all these amazing playmakers on our team we've got Rondo we've got Beasley we've got you know LeBron you know we've got Lonzo Ball they're all gone well I mean Rondo's still there but it, 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 they're going back to the formula that works for LeBron James he's almost a primary ball handler. You have a guy that can defend the paint, and you've got shooters to space the floor. You've got the uh, Danny Greens, you've got the Avery Bradleys, Contavio Caldwell-Pope. That's the recipe for success. It's so, it was so strange to me they went away from it last year. It looks like they've got the recipe back this year, and they've also got two of the top five players in the league. So if they stay healthy, everybody watch out. Uh, I think so. And, you know, the question that you asked to start this segment off is that, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Of course we are. Because... Team chemistry is something that just doesn't come easy. You know, people say, you know, and these things are sayings for a reason because (laughs) they're true. You know, the team looks good on paper, you know, but that doesn't always translate into a good team. Um, You know, this team could lack chemistry. You know, we don't know until they have 
a, you know, a number of games that they've played in the season. Um, every, I mean, GMs have been doing it, you know, ever since I can remember and longer than that, you know, trying to put a team together to have great chemistry. People talk about great chemistry all the time, but you know, like what pops into my head is the San Antonio Spurs. They've had team great team chemistry before. Now they're they thrive on that. Their whole system is set up for that, but it still hasn't been a foolproof thing. Um, Aldridge hasn't worked for them. Um, if the team chemistry was so great, why did Kawhi Leonard leave? You know, like I think that you really have to enjoy team chemistry when it is because it's so rare. Um, Golden State have had tremendous team chemistry and it's so much fun to watch but it is so difficult to capture it's in this especially in this day and age where guys are changing teams like they're changing their clothes so it's very difficult to keep teams together one team that i think uh, could really be fun to watch this year and i think will have really good chemistry they're a young team is the Pelicans. I mean, I, I just saw yesterday Lonzo Ball throwing alley-oops to Zion Williamson. I mean, this is going to be must-watch TV. But it's a little bit more than that because, I, you know, I think Drew Holiday, I think he's going to be an all-star this year. Um, I think they could, you know, it's a, it's going to be really tough in the West, but they could be a sneaky playoff, to maybe make the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, he's come with the hype. And he's been reduced, so he's. Uh, I think he was six nine. Now he's been. Uh, that's a really interesting take. They all ha- they all have new heights now. So now he's only six eight or six seven. So who, who are you talking about? Zion. He's six six. Oh, six six is yeah. it? And six six. Yeah. I, I'm I'm so happy that the NBA have finally done this. Guys have been exaggerating their height for so long. I thought it was just an American thing. They called it the 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 Pacific Shrink. Pacific Ocean shrink for when Americans come over to here to play as imports. You know, they recruit this guy that's six foot eight and he's only about six foot four or six foot five when he gets here. So Americans really exaggerate their height and they always say, oh, you know, like I'm six two um, with my shoes on and that's I play with my shoes on, so I'm six two. Okay. So what, what height were you when you played? Um, <laughs> so I'm not that old. I haven't shrunk that much, but I always said I was six foot one, and I am six foot one. And uh, yeah, a few of the players are a lot shorter. Um, Brea, he's five foot ten. Um, Paul Zingas, he still stays around seven three or something ridiculous. But when they get that that size, they start underestimating their height. Yeah, you know, Kevin Garnett was like seven one, and he. He um, played at six foot eleven. He didn't want to be considered a center. He wanted to be considered a forward. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, in terms of um, two early predictions, I mean, can do you think that um, there are teams that, that kind of stand out to you that could be, you know, come from nowhere to actually make the playoffs, or is it going to be, you know, the standard ones that we're already t- kind of talking about? Because I saw I saw a article today. I think Zach Lowe did it on ESPN. He's t- he was talking about the different tiers of the NBA, and the top tier is. The Lakers, the Clippers, um, the Jazz, uh, and Philadelphia. And then under that, he actually had Houston under that. Is there any teams that you can think of now that will kind of be able to sneak into that uh, that top eight? You know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, like – Too early. It's too early. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is there are some teams that I've really got my eye on, like Houston. Uh, you're looking at a team with James Harden – and and uh, Russell Westbrook, they could have a triple-double in the same game. 
They are they are that good. Those guys accumulate stats. What are, like, the, what are the other guys going to do though? Uh, you know, they'll be on the end of those passes. You That's know? true. That's true. They'll be you know getting out in transition when these guys grab rebounds. They are unstoppable. There's two players that are unstoppable on that team, and if there's anybody that can coach unstoppable players, it's Mike D'Antoni. That's true. That is absolutely true. Well, do you want to get into this? Uh, this and I like the jazz, too. I, I love, love the jazz. jazz. I, love I love the jazz. The, you know, but they're not sneaking up on anybody. That's probably why I was like, oh, I don't know who's going to be a sneaky team because everybody likes the jazz. Everybody, oh, yeah. They, I think they're going, to be, they're going to be really hard to beat. That, top, that first five that they have of Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, and Gobert – that's, I mean, that could, that's, I can see that just having great chemistry. It's almost got that international flavor to it. Like, like an, it's going to, they'll play like a FIBA team almost. Oh, they sure will. You know, and then there's so many people that are going to be so much fun to watch. You know, NBA pass, you know, is going to be, that thing's just going to be lighting up for so many people that just like watching good games. You know, you, you want to, can't get it in China now, though. Oh. <laughs> do, do we even do we even talk about that? Oh man, how much time do we? Have? Oh man, I think we I think we might skip and, over that. And, and don't you want to see you know D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry? You know I want to see how that works. We've got some really interesting and, and fun segments coming up. We're going to go with uh, the best of the rest first. So best of the rest, um, the Bleacher Report that came out with obviously their top fifty last year. We talked a little bit about. The top 10, the fact that Kobe Bryant's not in the top 10. I think we can pretty much agree on the top five, um, you know, being there, Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Bird, and Kareem. And obviously um, that order could change slightly depending on which way the wind flows for yourself. But the best of the rest, um, I mean, it's the players that are actually on that list. I mean, you've got the Carmelo Anthony's, Chris Bosch, um, Damian Lillard's, Kevin Love's on there. Uh, Alex English, one of the old school players, Vince Carter, um, George Mikan. I mean, there's a lot of players to choose from. So I want to hear your you top. I want to hear, I wanna hear you your. You want me to go first? I want you to go first okay. so I can crush you afterwards with my incredible okay. team. All right. <laughs> you want me to just go all five? All five. I, oh, no. Let's go point guard for point guard. Allen Iverson. Okay, I got Allen Iverson. You too. Okay. I'll tell you, we're going to be agreeing on everything. <laughs> the truth on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, Pete we, Maravich. We can't go. Pete Maravich. As your shooting guard. As my shooting guard. Uh, Pete Maravich averaged over forty points a game in college. It was like he wasn't even going against his opponent. It was like a race against the clock to see how many points he could score. I mean, there. You know, there were black people from New York that would drive all the way to South Carolina or where it was that he's from to go watch this skinny white kid play. This was before social media. He's a legend. He is a legend. Isaiah Thomas, the real Isaiah Thomas, not the one that's playing in the league now, is left-handed. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas was like that's his favorite player of all time. Pete Maravich. Who you got? I got the human highlight film. What, uh, Vince Carter? Dominique Wilkins. Oh, you got him as your... Sh- I've got to have my shooting guard. Okay, yeah. See, that's just wrong. He's not a guard. He's he's not a guard. He play- you gave me the rules. He play- you gave me the rules. You said, you said I'm okay, sh- go by position, and then secretly put Dominique Wilkins but he as can your two pl- He can play the two. No, he can't. He can he play can't the two. He can handle a ball. He he's can a play- slashing, scoring he can, forward. He can play the two. He can maybe play the three, four. 
He, but he couldn't play the two. I've got his it. life depended I've, on it. All right, I've he can't got, defend the two. He can't play the two. He can't shoot the ball well enough to be a two. That's just bomb, bomb. That's just wrong. Come on, that's you wrong. I, 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 I that's got, wrong. Okay, who's your three man? My three is T Mac. He could have played the two. He can at least so shoot that, the three. That's what I was going to say. You, you can you can interchange those two guys. Were you looking at this thing cross-eyed or something? Because well, I did forget my glasses. But I mean. These two, who is going to guard these guys? I mean, who who, who you got okay, as your spot? I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to I'm going to put T Mac at the two and Dominique at the okay. three. T Mac at the two, Dominique at the three. Okay. okay, all right. So now my three is Dominique Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. The human highlight film. Okay. Come on, remember that game where he was playing against Larry Bird? They scored like eight times in a row in this matchup. It was like the best four minutes How? of basketball I think I've ever seen. I can't believe he's not in the top 50. But it was like, I, I'm not sure if it was in the playoffs. I'm sure one of these nerds that knows everything about basketball is going to call and say, hey, it wasn't in the playoffs. It was actually in week 17 of the regular season. You know? but, <laughs> I'm just trying. <laughs> <laughs> but they were going head to head. It was one of the, you know, and they like to talk a lot of trash too. So they're jaw jacking and scoring on each other every single play play it was like there weren't even you know eight other guys on the floor well it was it was, it was amazing that, that, i mean look at that eastern conference then you had michael jordan larry bird dominic wilkins and those three were just absolutely tearing it up well okay at least we agree that we have him in the team okay yeah. mm -hmm. um okay i i, I i've gone I'll, I'll go first on this my power forward i i like your i like your players you just changed the rules as you went you was like you're my ex-wife you know like oh if you do this <laughs> If you do this, I'll be happy with you. And then when I would do it, you know, the rules with the bar would move. Yeah. You know, there you go. That's just normal, though. All right. This is, yeah. okay. This is a sports show. This isn't okay. therapy for me. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Here we go. So my power forward is Dennis Rodman. Good power forward. You're not going to like my power forward. Okay. I, I, let me say, I know. That's, Dennis, a great, I, I know, that's a great pick. I know Dennis Rodman isn't obviously an offensive minded player, but. The, probably the greatest rebounder in history besides Wilt Chamberlain. Pound for pound, uh, yes. Pound for pound, yes. Guy started super late in his career. Probably missed out on about three or four years of his prime. He started so late. Obviously, um, you know, multiple time NBA multiple time NBA champion, both with the Bad Boys and the Bulls. Uh, and yeah, I just think you need he sets the tone on on the defensive end. Yeah. Okay. You got it. You got it on that one. I'm not going to disagree with you. You know. Pound for pound, you know, a guy that would guard Shaq, you know, yeah. at 220 pounds, Dennis Rodman, soaking wet, guarding Shaq. Hung over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At least yeah. hung over. You okay. know, I think there was a lot more going on there and there. I don't know what the deal was with uh, the guy. Do you talk about, Le testing, you talk about you know? Le LeBron being the bionic man? How that guy is still alive. Okay, enough, enough, yeah. enough. Okay, Dennis Rodman. All I right. said good pick. All right, man. go, go. What's okay. your pick? Let's go. Blake Griffin. Really? Yeah. That guy's a beast. You, wow. talk, you, you picked Dominique Wilkins. Are Dominique Wilkins dunks any better than Blake Griffin's? Probably. Like, he shoots the three now? Now he does, yeah. Oh, yeah. His game has – he has altered his game to suit the modern game. It's a spread the floor. You got to be able to knock down the three to have people close out to you so you can put the ball on the floor and finish. Last year – And he, he has changed it. Last year, that, that first quarter of the season, I think he was almost in MVP um, – Conversation. Oh. He was, he was carrying the Pistons. People were like, okay, he's gone from a just a dunker with the you know when they had the uh, Lob City at, yeah. with the Clippers, and now he's shooting the three or the long two, the turnaround. Yeah. All right, um, I'll let you go first on the center. George Mikan, 
Because you know what? If somebody names it, if you get a drill named after you, then you're a hell of a player. The Mike and drill. The Mike and drill. Kids do the Mike and drill, left and right hand layups around the basket. They don't even know who George Mikan is. If you are so good, he was like the first big man to be good with his left and his right hand. So, you know, I know I'm really going back when the Lakers were actually in Minneapolis, and that's why the Lakers are called the Lakers. I'm not sure if you knew that. No, um, no I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, because they're originally from Minneapolis, and Minnesota is the state of 10,000 lakes. So they were called the Minneapolis Lakers. Oh, wow. There you go. Even now, uh, Leah, she's, she's nodding. She's like, this is awesome. We learn something new every week. All right, well, I've gone with... Uh, Alonzo Mourning. The guy was, again, one of the best defensive players that I've personally seen, both with the Hornets and with the Heat. Longevity in his career, you know, went head-to-head with Shaq. And uh, I think, um, you know, definitely um, definitely another guy that's going to set the tone on the, on the defensive end. I think having Rodman and Mourning there, you're not getting into the paint on my team. So uh, We could talk about this forever, but we, we, got, we got to call Homicide. All right, we've got Corey Homicide Williams on the phone. Uh, my man, thank you so much for joining Inside Slam. We really appreciate it. How's the weather down there in Melbourne, by the way? It is cold. I'm freezing my ass off. What's going on, fellas? <laughs> Thanks for having me on. OG, you already know how we do. What's going on? Hey, man. You know, like I've been privy to conversations with you that I just think that the public should hear. I mean, one of them is how you got into the NBA. Like you, I was surprised that you weren't, you know, highly recruited to go to college and then, you know, made the, the normal transition going from college basketball, get drafted, go into the NBA. But you're a street ball legend. And, you know, that pathway really wasn't a common thing back when you were coming up. Well, um, I had to take the unconventional route, the road less traveled. Um, Yes, I went to college. I graduated. You know, I have a degree in criminal justice. But my whole goal and dream, all my aspirations were to play professional basketball. Um, I told my mother, I said, look, Mom, I want to play pro. She said, I don't care what you do. Just graduate. Do whatever the hell you want. I said, done. So I got the degree. But I I didn't have a big name or big rep. You know, I didn't come from a major university. I went to HBCU, which was mid-low level, Division I, Alabama State University. So my coach really didn't help me. I didn't throw up big numbers. And once I graduated, I went home to New York. But I was not the player that I was returning to New York that I was in high school. Mm-hmm. My body developed. I got better. So I was reading a magazine. I was reading Slam Magazine at the time. I graduated in 2000. I was literally reading Slam Magazine. So naive. I was reading about street ball players that would get opportunities to go to college scouts and agents would go to the park to try and recruit players if they were good enough. So I was so naive. I actually believed that, well, you know what, going back home, let me just heat the streets up and I'll get a shot to go to the NBA. This is what I actually believed in my mind. So naive, not knowing the path is an unthinkable and unfathomable path to take because <laughs> no one did that before me. But I was so determined and I said, look, this is the, all I have right now. I got to heat the streets up. I got to kill everybody. That's how I got the nickname Homicide. It didn't take one summer for me to do it. However, I wrote down the names of every playground legend that played the one, two, or three positions. It's really interchangeable. 
those are guards that's playing a one, two, or three position. It's positionless basketball on the perimeter in playground basketball as it is today in professional sports. It's just positionless. If you're tall and got game as a guard, they'll play you at the wing. So my point was take out every moving target. I enter any playground in New York City that's legendary. You put 30 in the books. That's the worst day I'm having is 30. <laughs> I'm going for 40 or 50 because I can't go for 20 points in playground basketball. Get what I'm saying? It's yep. an unconventional route, so nobody's looking for a guy that averages 20 in street ball. Doesn't mean shit. You got to give them 40 or 50. And are these, and when NBA, is and they, when are these like three-on-three three competitions, or what is this like? This is basically is yeah. A-grade basketball played in the summertime outdoors. Basketball in New York City is the mecca of basketball in the world. One thing about New Yorkers, we don't care what they say about you. We want to see it. We don't care if you're the man in NBA, do it in the streets. NBA players wanted street credibility. So in the summertime, they would come and play in the playground. That would be my opportunity to match up against NBA players. And when they came to the park, I had room for error. You understand what I'm saying? So, for example, what I mean by that is if today, coming out of college, I, coming from a small school, would not have room for error like a guy coming from Duke University. He could turn the ball over a couple of times and not get yanked out for every mistake. Yep. Okay? A guy with me that has no name, nobody's really checking for. You got to play damn near perfect to get an opportunity. This is basketball. This is not a sport where you can even think about playing perfect. It's not going to happen. But in the playground, (laughs) it's my world. I can shoot 30 times. I'm not coming out the game. I could turn the ball over. My room for error is the same as they are in their respective arena. How are they going to stop me? Dang. Damn. That's Did how you... I got the name Homicide. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a, You know, that's even a better story than I had anticipated. But I tell you what. Did you have that same mentality? Okay, you make it into the NBA, playing for the. Was, I, I hope it's the Raptors because that's what I it thought. It was the Raptors at the time that got me to look straight from the playground. Did yeah. you have that same mentality? I'm just gonna no. crush anybody. No. That, yeah, nah. no, didn't work like that because you have to remember, I'm just a guy from the playground in their eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once you, first of all, most street ball players cannot transition their games to a professional level. It just doesn't work. You yeah. know what I mean? For me, I was one of the best penetrating, in my prime, I was one of the best penetrating guards in the world. Can't nobody stop me from getting to the basket. It's just not going to happen. Also with that, as a big guard in the NBA rules, the lanes are wide open. So most point guards aren't my size, and I can be durable, and I can can hit. You know what I mean? I played a physical brand of basketball. So getting to the basket, I knew I was still playing overseas. I knew that in this opportunity in the NBA, I would be a 20-20 player. And that means you're up 20 points, they'll put you in a game. You're down 20 points, they'll put you in a game. I would be a third-string point guard when I first get into the NBA. So I know I just got to pick up and play defense, pick up full court, play the hell out of some defense. And if I get an opportunity to penetrate and get to the basket, draw the defense and kick it to the open man. That's the only way I'm staying on the court. So I knew that. Now, for me to think about me trying to score, let's just say the backup point guard gets injured. Just think Jamie Foxx any given Sunday. Somebody got to get injured (laughs) for me to get an opportunity to get some really meaningful minutes to where then if scoring opportunity comes my way, then you take it and you be more aggressive. But outside of that, 
I knew what the role I had to play for the Raptors at the time for me to get an opportunity to get on that team. So you're the, you're the, Willie, you're the Willie Beeman of basketball, basically. I mean, I, I Steeman, Willie Beeman. like that. You know what I mean? But I understood my role is my point. Yeah. Just because I was homicide in street basketball doesn't mean I would be homicide in the NBA. I would have to be Corey Williams. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when I was doing all of this stuff, and one, which I hate, what they did was market themselves as the best street ball players in the world. So if you're not understanding New York City playground basketball culture and you hear homicide and street ball, you're automatically going to think and one. Let me tell you the difference between what I do and what I did, a real street baller and and one. And one is the street ball globetrotters, okay? Yep. It's the it's basically like a real wrestler in WWE. It's two completely different things. One is entertainment and one is real basketball. The same way I played when I was in the NBL and got MVP of the league is the same way I played at Rebel Park, at Dyke Park, at West Fork. The same way. Yeah. And yeah. I that was a big stigma I had to fight during my whole career. Where, where, trying to separate myself from the gimmicks and trick basketball. That's not what I'm about. When was the moment for you, Corey, where that where that kind of switch where you're like, okay, I obviously well, you know I'm not going to forget where I came from, you know, being a street baller, but this is where I have to become a professional basketballer. And you know, if it's if I'm not playing with the Raptors, if I you know if I'm playing overseas, when did that mentality change for you, as in a permanent change? And where were you like, okay, I have to put the street ball aside to kind of take my uh, basketball career to the next level, which obviously, you know, ended up becoming MVP of the Australian League. The, back, the street basketball never took um, the back seat. That was the generator that kept heating me up. Okay. For example, I got a sneaker deal. I was wearing my own shoe in the NBL. One eight seven company called K1X gave me a signature <laughs> endorsement deal, and my the police code for homicide is one eight seven. Yeah, that was the name of my shoe. Streetball would never take a back seat because if it wasn't for streetball, I wouldn't be on the phone with you right now. Yeah, I just knew how to separate when it was time to play streetball versus professional basketball. Okay, I knew how to separate it. Yeah, not you know to, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to glaze over your professional career. It's just we only have so much time with you. And I really want you to touch on the transition that you've made from being a professional player to moving into the media and being a commentator, having your own shows, um, your social media, the work that goes behind that. I mean, you have reinvented yourself like not many people in the world. I mean, well, um, to be honest with you, I always looked up to you and respected you because when you really think about it, OG, how many imports you know that have come from come from America to another country have been able to transition from killing on the court? Your banner and championships are noted in this country. You got a banner in the City Kings Arena. That shit, I don't take for granted. That's some. That's a. That's some dope. That's a milestone. And then. You transition for over 20 plus years talking about the game you've played your whole life. I salute you all day. You know, I never remember. I never forget a conversation we had two years ago. Here's how the conversation went. We were at, I was on the phone and I had just finished my first season. I was in Sydney at the time and I was talking to you and you was like, yo, listen, 
you know, you ever get an opportunity to really do this full time, you know, this is how you do it. You get the main job and then you get other opportunities around that. And that's how you set your thing up. I never forgot that conversation. You know what I'm saying? Y'all following your blueprint. You know, nobody in my era, but you way before my era, but nobody in my era has ever had an opportunity after you. You know what I'm saying? So I got to thank you because if you don't do this shit right, this opportunity don't come. You know what I mean? Opportunity breeds responsibility. So what I try to do is be responsible with how I move, what I do, how I look, how I dress, where I go. And it all began, it all started with you. You was the first one that I know that did this. Yeah. Our body of work is on foreign soil. It's not on a U.S. soil. So how can an opportunity like this at home come to guys like us in the manner that it did here? It can't. Our body of work is not at home. So I salute you from the from the jump. I watched your moves ever since I got here as a player. I, I, I mean, I'm no stranger. I'm not. I'm never short for words or shy in front of a camera. You know what I'm saying? So if I have the opportunity for it to come my way to talk about a game that I love, you know what I mean? I welcome the transition. Talking about a game that you love, Corey, uh, I mean, you've got to be excited about the NBL right now. It's. I mean, I think, um, you know, t- Corp, looking at from the outside in, obviously, um, you know, I haven't played the game at the level that you and Steve have, but looking at it from the outside in, uh, the, the the league is on the up. I think Larry Kesselman has done a great job with the league. We've got NBA players um, that are taking ownership of some of the teams here. You've got guys that could probably still be on NBA teams like Aaron Brooks playing in the league. We've got the, um, you know, the path, the pathway program with RJ Hampton and uh, Lamelo Ball. I mean, this is a great time for you to obviously be part of the league and uh, it must be exciting. Yeah, it definitely is an exciting time. You know, rising time lifts all boats. It's all happening. You know, we're all rising as the league rises, and it's just an incredible opportunity. I quote this a lot in the mornings on Twitter. I say it a lot on every platform that I'm on, and I will say it here. The window of opportunity closes quicker than it opens. So you have to take advantage of these opportunities because when was the last time, you know, Team USA came to Australia and and the Boomers beat them? Shit never happened before. That's it. When was the last time there was 13, 14 players that are Australian in the NBA? Shit never happened before. You know what I mean? Look how many Aussies right now are going to college and are being inspired by basketball that's being played right now in Australia. It's never happened before. Australia right now, by FIBA three weeks ago, got ranked number three in the world, and they did not medal. How incredible is that? America, Spain, Australia. It's incredible. That it is, is incredible. In it is incredible. It's incredible. You know what I'm saying? Like... It's ha- the time is now, you know, so everybody needs to be- bring their best work forward on every level regarding basketball. The wave that's happening right now, we are in a better position. I say we because I work for this league. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a part of basketball right now as, as far as we're, we're, we're talking. As far as right now, I'm a part of basketball. So when I say we, I talk about the basketball community in this country. We all have a responsibility to put our best foot forward because after this season, there'll never be as many eyes on basketball in this country than there is now. Those two little kids, those two young men, babies, to be honest with you, have brought Mellow Ball on Facebook. You know how many eyes looked at that game last Sunday? 
Yeah, one it was a, million. It was a, mi- a million. Wow. A yeah. Million. yeah. On on Facebook post- Live. Yeah. I posted him working out in the sand the next day. Do you know what happened? Bleacher Report retweeted it. That's at 1.7 million views for a kid doing slides in a beach. That's the impact of what's going on right now. That's it's genius. It is. It is. It's I mean, that's a, that's the world. I mean, that's the world we live in right now. And yeah. And Corey, I mean, you've you've done such a great job, you know, in terms of you know working things through your social as well. Obviously, you've got your apparel brand, um, which is incredible, um, mate. We really, really appreciate you, um, you know, coming onto the show, and uh, you know, hopefully, you can. You know, you can be a regular friend of the show. I know, I know Steve's, uh, he's, you know, he's had a lot of great things to say about you. And, um, you know, I, I hope everything keeps going from strength to strength personally um, for you as, and as, as well as for the NBL. Yeah, thanks for man, coming I on, brother. I appreciate it, man. Call me anytime. Any friend of my OG is a friend of mine. All right, coming up next, we've got our community commentary segment. So uh, let's cross over to them right now. We're here tonight at Urban Rec Social Basketball in Redfern. So let's go check out a game. Oh oh God. God. This is so embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. <laughs> this is, this is going to be a podcast. <laughs> Who are we? Awesome. Who are we? Awesome. Who are we? Awesome. Possums. Awesome Possums with the ball. Moving it left to right. Fade away from tree. Nothing but net. <laughs> no, that is not what happened. Uh, the ball went up the sidelines from a miss pass. You can't kick it. So you're my commentator and my referee. Yeah, no, I'm doing a lot right now. I'm really underpaid. But, oh, God, they love me here. Every week I come, it's just basketball's happening. It's my first week. It's a mixed game, so we've got the girls running. Oh, it's a girls pass the bus. Oh, no, and a guy got in the way. There we are, men ruining everything yet again. Counter-attack. Jesus, he's going from downtown here. Oh, forgot to say let it rain. Uh, now, Gray, we've got a new girl. It's her first ever game, and she's dribbling up the court surprisingly well, considering she's never played before. You're doing really good. Got to give them encouragement every now and then. Well done. Everyone seems pretty kind here. Yeah, I like to think so. I don't know what everyone else does in the rest of their lives. There might be skeletons in the closet. But for the game itself, uh, Urban Rec, the competition kind of prides itself on being fun. At the end of the game, uh, everyone will give each other fun points out of five. And the winner of the fun points gets a pub voucher, which is probably more important than any of the little trophies or, you know, self-esteem you get from winning a real competition. Great pass, going for a shot. Looking good. Oh, it just misses. And now we've got a great team. They're doing well, they just can't get their shots in, which is a big issue if you're playing basketball. The great team has been dominating the first half, getting a lot of open shots, getting a lot of rebounds. One of those teams over there was actually talking tactics at half-time. It's very peculiar. Don't usually see that here? Oh, no. That's ridiculous. Ooh, and I think it's gone all the way up to notch 9 or 10 now. But that air ball took it down to about 4. Bouncing, 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 missing! 14 bounces on the rim before a miss. I think that's a record. Okay, so he decided that he fouled him and he's given him the ball. That was very nice of him, wasn't it? Yeah, very honest. Very honest. That's, that is actually, in all seriousness, what we go for. And I think what is... Oh, he's got it as well. Honesty is the worst policy, sir. Gray just missing the shot. It was a nice wide open look. Anyone could have gotten that in, but he didn't. His family and his friends are writing to him right now with their disappointment. But regardless, Black has the ball, and they're running. All their family and friends love them still. So that was your first basketball game ever. Do you want to tell me how you went? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think I did too badly. I mean, I didn't help out too much, but I didn't pass out, so that's always a win. I think the team's doing really well, though. Like, everybody's 
having a good shot and giving it their best. It's more about fun and exercise for me, but yeah, I think it's okay. Excellent. Thanks so much. All right, Steve. Well, that was uh, that was some interesting commentary. Uh, it sounded like we had a few different accents there. I, I, don't, I don't know. If you didn't shake me, I probably wouldn't have woken up. They <laughs> 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 yeah, need to project their voice a little bit more, you know, really get into it. You yeah, know, it like, was very, um, very monotone. Yes, it was. Yes, it, it was. was like, I mean, you, you like, want me to be polite or you want me to be honest? Welcome to the Inside yeah. Slam podcast. <laughs> I'm Evan Goldback. I've got Steve Carfino. Yeah. On the shortest live show ever. Yeah, exactly. We won't be here next week. <laughs> uh, well, listen, right. we, we do. Call us if you ever want to take a nap and you're having trouble getting to sleep. Exactly. We'll, we'll start up a new app, just my voice talking to you very slowly. <laughs> you are now falling asleep. Actually, we don't want you to fall asleep, but we do. Um, listen, we, we still thank the guys over at Urban Rec Social Basketball. Um, you know, thank you for sending that in. And if you do have um, any sort of commentary that you want to get on air, please make sure you do send it to us inside Slam. On, and project uh, on all, your voice. And make sure we project your voice inside Slam on, on all socials. Um, all right. Well, listen, we're going to finish off the uh, the pod with doing a, a quick little game. I've come up with a, uh, a game to test Steve's knowledge of basketball. You can play at home while you're listening as well. It's basically, who am I? So if you remember Sale of the Century back in the day, you remember who am I? And the the uh, the questions would come out. They would start off... Uh, I thought it was an original idea by you. No? Well, it is. I've just, I've kind of just changed it slightly. <laughs> I've kind of taken it into 2019. So I'm, I'm going to give you clues. And hopefully you can get it in less than five clues. Okay. All right. right. So I don't think this is going to help, but he was born July 4, 1965. Will Chamberlain. (laughs) (laughs) If if, if you got that, I was just going to leave, leave the studio. Okay. Okay. Played at Clemson University. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Give me the two clues again. Okay. Born in 1965. Yeah. I graduated from Clemson. Charles Barkley. No. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> drafted in 1987. Yeah. Charles Barkley was drafted in 84. Yeah, a bit yeah. earlier than that. Okay. okay. So um, he played for? Horace Grant. Let me shake your hand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what gave Damn, it, I'm good. What gave it away? Um, 87. Um, him and Scottie Pippen were part of that great 87 draft. Yeah. They pick up both those guys. Um, after Charles Barkley, I knew the best player that came in the draft from Clemson was Horace Grant. I didn't, I really didn't think you'd get it that earlier. I thought you might have got it when I started mentioning the teams he played for. Cause do you know the, do you know all the teams he played? Obviously we, we know the Bulls and the Magic. Did you, do you know who else he played for? Uh, didn't he go to the Lakers for a minute? Went to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, also played for Seattle. I want to say that he had a twin brother, Harvey Grant. I did have, yeah, Harvey Grant, yeah. Uh, Didn't it? Yeah. Wasn't as good as Horace. No, no. He played at Oklahoma with Stacy King and Mookie Blaylock who, and Ricky Grace. Mookie Blaylock, and he and then he went to the Hawks. Stacy King went to the Bulls. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of good players. Well, Steve. I don't. I doubt you. Good. I doubt you're going to beat. Look, look. Yeah, you know what? I, I got to share with the viewers that you stumped me on one. I think that was easier than that. I just 
I just couldn't think of it. Yeah. But, but you know, give them the clues and, and just right. think if they would have gotten this it. This is what this okay. is, this is these are the clues I gave out before we did our episode. So I yeah, I had a I had a practice run had and a practice. didn't fare too well. All right, let's uh let's bring up let's bring up the player. Give me two seconds. All right, so I think even Leah got it before you. Our, our sound person got it before you, Steve. He was 1987 too, wasn't he? He was. He was. Yeah. So and I, the other clue was he played at UCLA. So 87, mm-hmm. bo- born in 65, same as Horace Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, 80, went to UCLA, UCLA, drafted in 1987. Uh, he was the 11th overall pick. He only played for one team. His whole career only played for one team. See, don't look up on Google. Don't cheat and go, all right, 87 draft, number 11. Ooh, I got it. Yeah. I want you uh, have a have a think about it, people. Do it the old-fashioned way. Do and rack the- your brain and think, oh, I almost have it. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I won't say which team. I won't say his number. All I will say, he's in the Hall of Fame. He was a five-time NBA All-Star. And uh, he had quite a famous moment uh, in a playoff game with a high-profile fan. That's all I'm going to tell you. And we'll reveal the answer on next week's episode of Inside Slam. Uh, Steve, thanks again for, uh, for joining. I think that was, uh, that was a lot of fun that episode, especially having uh, Corey Homicide Williams on. I thought it was uh, great. To, what a story. You know, an undrafted guy. Makes it to you know, makes it to the NBA, then comes to Australia, makes it to the NBL, becomes MVP of the league, and now has a successful media career um, with the NBL. I mean, it's a great story. It is a great story, and I know we've only done two podcasts, but this one has been my favorite. There you go. If you guys aren't following us, make sure you do on Instagram under Inside Slam. Also follow Global Story Network um, on Instagram as well as Twitter. And we'll see you next week.